Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So I was, uh, he told me, he said, you, you, you eat these tacos in Mexico City, you know, it's going to change your life. I'm like, you know how many tacos I've had, dude? I've had tacos galore. I don't think it can impress me. It did. <laughs> kind of ruined me. I didn't want to eat white man tacos anymore, but I ate stuff he wouldn't eat. He, he wouldn't eat lingua tacos, cow tongue tacos. He wouldn't eat them, but I ate them. They were really good. He wouldn't eat tripas. We won't explain what that is. But I did. We, we, I said, hey, we're here. Go for it. Of course, I had stomach issues. He didn't after it was over. So I, he's learned his lesson, and I'm still learning mine. Amen. Well, it's good to have all of you here. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Today, I'm very excited. Tonight, our prophetic conference begins. Isn't that awesome? It's something we look forward to every year. Every year, and, it, and, and every year, I always say, this is the best one yet. This is the best one yet. And I really am believing that when I say it. I mean it when I say it because it just seems like it gets better and better every year. And I expect no, no less than that this year. I remember at the beginning of the year, as uh, we started, uh, began to declare Jeremiah chapter 33, 3. It says, call unto me and I will answer you and will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Uh, and so that's one, that's one thing that I've been declaring over my own life, my family, your individual lives, and then as well as us as a corporate body, that we want to see the greater things, right? Great things, great and mighty things that we haven't known yet, even though our God never changes, yet he's continually doing new things in the earth. And, and so we can always trust those new things because he never changes. His character never changes. His goodness never changes. The scripture says in James um, that do not err, do not make a mistake, my, my brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. What that means is God is good and he's never going to change being good. And his love for us never fails. And so uh, he has chosen not to judge us. He has chosen to love us. God judged his son for our sins. In other words, he blamed Jesus for all the wrong we ever did or ever will do. Isn't that an incredible love? He blamed Jesus, and Jesus willingly took the blame so that we could all then take the credit for righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a marvelous thing, this exchange that took place at that cross. And we talk about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it because it has revolutionized our lives. We as Christians don't live changed lives. We live exchanged lives. All right, we are now in him, and in him we live and we move and we have our being. The scripture says, and so that we understand that when Jesus became wounded, when they put stripes upon his back, that opened up something for us. We were able to make an exchange for our sickness, our disease, and our pain, and we could take healing. He became sin so that we wouldn't stay lost in our sin. But now the scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now our condition is not sin, it is now righteousness in Christ. That's amazing. He became a curse, the scripture says. He intentionally became a curse because the scripture says, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles or the McKinneyanites or wherever you're from. (laughs) 
the Australianites. The blessing of Abraham. What is that blessing of Abraham? What does that mean? And that's, a, that's, a, that's a lofty phrase, the blessing of Abraham. Right? I want, if Jesus had to die for you and I to get the blessing of Abraham, how many of you think it's important to know what that blessing of Abraham is? Well, let me tell you one thing it is. It means there is no curse on you whatsoever. Christ became a curse and you became blessed. An exchange happened. He became cursed, you became blessed. Wow. He became poor, the scripture says, and you became rich. Now, this message gets denigrated all the time. Oh, it sounds like that health and wealth gospel. Yeah, welcome to it. There's a lot, there's a lot of good to this gospel. It's not just salvation from, from, from hell. And we thank God for that. We thank God that now we are alive in Christ and we will live with him forever. But he has blessing for us, blessing upon blessing upon blessing on here, here on the earth as his children. And part of that blessing, if you look up the word sozo, it's S-O-Z-O, it's the word for salvation. It means health, wealth, prosperity, success. I don't know how guys don't like that. I don't understand it. Why it gets denigrated. God came to get that. I want everything that he's giving to me. Amen. I don't want to just pick and choose. No, that sounds, no, that complicates things, God. I don't know. Lord, I just want you to meet my needs. I don't ask for much. Why don't you ask for much? He wants you to ask for much. He gave much so that you could have much. Huh? All right, get out of that religious kind of thinking. When you to break free, Jesus took all the limits off when he said, I mean, when he said a lot of things, but one thing he said that I still can't get over. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Let's let that hang in the air for a moment. Because I, I have friends that are preachers and they start backpedaling immediately. No, he doesn't mean everything. Uh, you know, you have to be mature enough to understand what he's saying. Jesus didn't do any of that. He just lets it hang out there. I dare you to believe this. Whoever's can have Whatever. Who will believe that? Who will believe that? Who will believe that today? Hmm? We are raised in a culture of unbelief. And we are inundated with this unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. Just reason, 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 reason. Reason ourselves right out of faith. Reason ourselves right out of believing God. Reason ourselves right out of all the provision that God has for us, the supply he gives us. Reason, reason, reason. We start putting things together. Why it can't happen rather than why it's true. Hmm? He is the one who wants to show himself to us in mighty ways. And the scripture teaches us about the grace of God. Paul says that in the ages to come, he's going to unfold to us the riches of his grace. You know what that means? Heaven will never get boring. Now, I think about heaven on, on, in terms of how I live on the earth, right? We think about time. We think we're going to live forever. Oh, my God, aren't we going to get bored? I mean, after a while, God is going to go, here, turn it, watch this movie. I mean, you just think like, God, are we ever going to run out of things to be excited about? No, he's going to continue to unfold the riches of his grace. There are so many dimensions to this grace that we're always going to go, wow, wow, for eons and eons. He's going to show us another angle. We're going to go, golly, it's amazing, God. He'll always keep us in awe and wonderment. He's a wonderful God and he loves us. So just here on the earth, we're just kind of scratching the surface. But the way that we have access into this grace is by faith in Jesus. Period. I love the gospel. It's really good news. It's such good news. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Isn't that marvelous? That's it. That's the news. 
Now, when I grew up, the gospel was that, and and you got it, and you got it, and you got it, and you better, and you better, and you, you got it, and you got it. Don't just think. What, what, easy. Let's just let the Bible talk to us. Let's just let the Bible talk to us. Christ died. What is the gospel about? It has nothing to do with me then. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose. It's all him. The moment we take it off of him, we get into our own thing. And we only can attain self-righteousness through our own thing. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's the good news. Isn't that marvelous? And it, and, and it gets really gooder whenever you just put your faith in Jesus and then you receive all the benefits of what he did. Can't earn it, can't work for it, can't go to church enough. As a pastor, I'd like to tell you you need to go to church 15 times in a row, but that's not part of the gospel. So I can't really do that and be honest with you. No, it's, it's free. Yeah, we don't preach cheap grace. We, it's better than cheap. It's free. Thank God. Amen. Everybody all right so far? Okay. We are in 1 Kings chapter 18. We will read some scripture today. I have to do that, otherwise I'll, I'm just giving you my opinion up here. <laughs> First Kings chapter 18, and we're going to begin in verse 31. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Let me give you just a recap of what's happened. Israel is in a terrible drought at this point because Elijah, this prophet, said it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Now they're seven years into this drought, all right? They have, they have taken on another god by the name of in Texas, it's Baal, all right? Probably it's Baal, but we don't have time to say that name, all right? So it's Baal. His name is Baal, and it's the pagan word for Lord, all right? They had taken another Lord. They hadn't necessarily totally forsaken Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews. They just added a God to them just in case they want to have all their bases covered, all right? So now all this trouble has come upon their lives, all this trouble has come to Israel because uh, God says, I'm God, there is no other, and you worship me with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole strength, everything in you, all right? There, you shall have no other gods before me. So now they have forsaken uh, God's law in that way, and they've invited this other God named Baal to come, and so now things have gotten really messy for Israel. And so they're reaping the consequences of bringing this false God into their world. So now Elijah has this showdown, if you will, with these prophets. There's 450 prophets of Baal, and then there's another 400 prophets of, the, uh, of, of God named Asherah, who uh, Jezebel, we all know who Jezebel is. This is the king Ahab, King Ahab, he's the king of Israel. His wife is Jezebel, all right? So, so there's 850 prophets that Elijah challenges them all to come up to this mount called Carmel, C-A-R-M-E-L, and we're going to have a showdown to see who the real God is. It's either God... Jehovah or it's Baal, all right? And so he tells the children of Israel, you're going to choose which one by what happens here today. Whatever God, whatever God sends fire down to, to lick up the sacrifice that we build on an altar here, that's the real God. Everybody with me? They're like, yeah, that sounds good to us. So it's 850 false prophets against one lone prophet. Now, Elijah at this time thought that he was the only one who truly worshiped God in all of Israel. He was partially right. He was the only prophet left because Israel had killed all the other prophets. All right? He's the only prophet. But God had reserved for himself later on. You could see as you continue to read in 1 Kings that God had actually 7,000 reserved who had not bowed their knee to Baal. 
but that's for another time. But today what I'm wanting to talk to you about is what to do when your faith is challenged. And we started this last week, and I told you it'd be a two-week series. Uh, what to do when your faith is challenged. Anybody ever had their faith challenged here? If you've been a Christian for five minutes, all right, you've probably found that to be true. Because everything about your faith in God is in total resistance to the world, the flesh, and the devil, all right? So you either are, are, are just coming out of trouble or are in trouble or you're coming into trouble. Welcome to planet Earth, Christian. All right, and so the only way that you can overcome these kinds of troubles and, and, and adverse situations in your life is by faith in God. One scripture says, whatever is born of God, 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Glorious. So faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And uh, so we talked about the, the first thing last week we talked about to, to do, to remember when your faith is challenged is number one, don't take it personally. Things get mixed up when that happens. We start to take that personally, that attack or that, that trouble that comes in our lives and we think, oh God, what are you trying to teach me? That's the wrong question. Where is God in all this? He's right there with you. All right, it confuses things. It confuses, it confuses when we start taking it personally. Rather than understanding this isn't about us, it's about our faith in God. And the devil's trying to get you out of faith. All right, he is real. The devil is real and he hates you. All right, and he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, when the word is sown into a person's heart, immediately Satan comes to steal that word. Why? Because he knows that with that word, faith came. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the moment you hear the word of God, faith comes and then the devil goes, ah, I got to do something about this because the wind will be unstoppable if, if that word sinks into their heart and they start believing this thing. Yeah. All right, so he runs after it. So these situations, the scripture says tribulation, Jesus talked about this, and persecutions arise for the word's sake. So they're not after you. Here, so don't take it personally. You just continue to stand on the Word of God and the truth that God is on your side and that He hasn't moved and not to be soon shaken from His promise. Know that He's with you. And the second thing we talked about was don't be intimidated by, the, by number or power. It was 850 against one. All right? But Elijah wasn't intimidated. He wasn't moved by that. He was excited about what was about to happen. Say this with me. God plus me equals the majority. See, that's all you need to remember today. The scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, if God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter. Number three, that he called them, the people up to him. Elijah called the people near. He said, come up to me. And one of the biggest mistakes I see believers make is when trouble comes in their life, they don't get near God's people, they leave the church. They get offended, something happens, and they leave the church. Let me tell you, that's the, that's the last thing. That's the worst thing to do. When trouble comes in your life, get to the house of God. Get around the people of God, all right? Because it's there you will find that real strength is in the body of Christ. And this is where the law of Christ is fulfilled. The scripture says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, others have what you need. Look around you. And smile. All, they all have what you need here today. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you have what. Yeah. Even though we're not perfect people, right? My wife is, but yeah. well, my mother-in-law, she's here too. So my mother-in-law is perfect too, but we're not. But somehow, isn't it extraordinary that somehow in, the, in, in this, this bunch of imperfection, God has made it the perfect thing for us. The church is the perfect thing 
The body of Christ is the perfect thing. We're perfect for one another. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you're perfect for me. Uh, you're perfect for me. Tell them, I'm perfect for you too. All right, we need each other. So you keep God's people near you. The fourth thing we talked about was that Elijah, he took the 12 stones, he took 12 stones and, and erected this altar. And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. These are Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, that eventually represented the, the tribes of Israel. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this speaks of the name, and that name represents authority, all right? He built this altar, and that altar was saying that this is here, erected here on the authority of God. You have the authority over every enemy in your life. It's called the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, in my name it shall be done for you, all right? So you have that name, and at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then he says, Elijah tells them, he tells the children, and once he calls them all up to him, he says, listen, you've got to make a decision today. If Baal proves to be the true God, then worship him. But if God, Jehovah, proves to be the real God, then worship him. Yeah. One of the, I want, I want you to remember that when your faith is challenged, is that is to simply make a decision. Yeah. All right? a, lot of, a lot of trouble in your life has come because maybe you haven't made the decision that you needed to make. All right? And just that indecision has lingered and lingered, and so the problem persists and persists and persists. It's as simple many times as making a decision. Yeah. All right? So choose. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. All right? Make the decision. All right? Because every, most problems, most problems have a very simple answer to them. And let me remind you today, if you're a Christian here today, that God speaks to you on a regular basis. You know, I've talked to people and counsel people from time to time. They tell me, I just don't know how to hear God. I'm like, yeah, you do know how to hear God. You just don't do what he tells you to do. <laughs> Amen. Can we talk, can we talk grown-up talk for just a moment? Huh? That's, that's, that's most of our problems. We don't have a problem hearing God because, I mean, the Scripture says he will guide us into all truth. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's always, I just need to know how to hear God. You can hear God. You need to know how to do what he tells you. Amen. That's usually the problem. Oh, well, okay. You aren't supposed to get that quiet. Just maybe, maybe we're hitting something today. Okay. You just turn to somebody and say, he's talking right to you. <laughs> All right. And then the sixth thing, remember they, they, this was a drought, and so Elijah has them pour water all over the sacrifice. All right? All over the side, they have a bull up there, and they just soak down the stones and the wood and, the, and even build a trench. Now, now why is this important? Why, th because they're in a seven-year drought, and he's pouring this precious commodity known as water, all this seems to be wasting it all over the place. So whenever your faith is challenged, make a sacrifice of what you need the most. What is it that you have need of? Sow a seed. Fast. Pray. All right, so offer your body as living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. Be amazed, amazed if you'll just give some attention and give some time, sacrifice time, talent, treasure, those kinds of things for God, uh, how that will open you up to new experiences in your life. But I want to focus on this seventh thing. The seventh thing to remember to do when your faith is being challenged is to pray simple prayers of faith. 
Don't complicate the matter. Things are complex enough. The key to effective praying is not praying in excess of words, but to pray in faith. Now, I want you to look at this. Verse 36. Can we look at that in 1 Kings 18? Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Now, if you remember, as at first, he challenged the, the prophets of Baal to go ahead and cry out to Baal and see if he would send fire down. So they started in the morning, and, and Elijah's watching them. They're saying, oh, Baal, hear us, hear us. And the scripture says nobody paid attention to him. No one heard them. And they're dancing around, and they're jumping all over the place, and by noon comes around. And then Elijah's watching them, and nothing's happening. And so he takes it upon himself to start mocking them. Oh, maybe he's in the bathroom. <clears throat> Maybe you need to go a little bit louder. Maybe he's hard of hearing. Maybe he's asleep. You should wake your God up and, and see if he'll come. I mean, just flat out mocking him, right? And so, so they're like, so then they really freak out. And they says they got louder. And then they, start, they jumped up on the altar and they start cutting themselves open, right? And they're bleeding out all over. These people are crazy, right? They're just losing their, you know, and nothing is happening. The scripture says, no one paid attention and no one even heard them. Now it comes time to the evening sacrifice. And finally, Elijah's like, okay, it's my turn. They've been praying all day long. Don't you know they had a lot of words to say from morning until evening? Besides all the other goofy stuff they were doing. And nothing was happening. Elijah now says, okay, it's my turn. So he prays, and I think he probably prayed according to New King James Version. I don't know that for sure, but the new, in the New King James Version, actually as well as the King James, it's a 63-word prayer. That's it. It's a 63-word prayer. They prayed all day, nothing happened. He prayed 63 words. Interesting. Pray simple prayers. While you're waiting to see what you've prayed for to manifest. Don't get caught up in thinking, well, I guess I need to pray some more. Well, I, uh, I, get, I haven't seen it. I guess I need to pray some more. Okay. Really, while you've already made your request known to God, now your prayer should just be prayers of thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know what thanksgiving is? It's proof that you believe what you just prayed Amen. is going to get results. It's proof that you believe that God has heard you and he will answer. Thank you, Lord, that it's done. Thank you that I am healed. Amen. Not I'm waiting on you to heal me, Jesus. No, Lord, thank you that I am healed by your stripes. It's already accomplished. It's done. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And every time you have another symptom come up, you just say, oh, Lord, I thank you. You don't have to beg God. Right. Amen. All right? Amen. Just strive. Okay, I, I get, obviously, I didn't pray the right kind of prayer, so I need to really, really try, 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 try. When I was a kid growing up in our little Pentecostal church here in southern Oklahoma, we had some pretty wild services. I wouldn't trade most of it. Some of it I might, but for other experiences, but most of it I wouldn't. 
because I appreciate my upbringing and the things of the Spirit and speaking in other tongues and the, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and I'm grateful to God for that. All we needed was more Bible teaching. You know, we, we really thought it was more about experience back then than it was about having Bible experience, right? And so when you think it's just about experience, you get goofy, you know, goofy things happen. But, uh, <clears throat> but it was people that were very hungry for God, and we saw a lot of wonderful things happen, you know. I saw miracles when I was a kid, and, and I, I, just marvelous things happen. But one of the things that used to kind of confuse me as a kid and I have to admit to you, it used to scare me a little bit. And even today when I hear it, it kind of scares me still. And that is this. <clears throat> we would be mingling before church started, just like you do here. And everybody's talking and you're catching up you know, with each other and telling each other stories, what things you experienced during the week. Or you know, maybe you're going on vacation this summer and you're telling somebody about that vacation that's coming up. And then all of a sudden, it's time to pray, right? And so they'd say, let's pray. And the whole atmosphere of the room would change. And it would just get weird. Oh, God. Oh, God. Would you look down upon us today? Yeah. And I'm like, what just happened? Everybody was happy and talking. And then we started talking to God. And we started acting like we didn't know who we were talking to. We were scared. We're we're not worthy. We're worms. I mean, just like, what is going on here? Is this how God requires us to talk to him? I kind of have a feeling like I, was, I liked your conversation before you started talking to me. Would you talk to me like that? I'm real. I just wonder if he's thinking things like that. They never saw Jesus. Well, of course, you, know, you can't really read if he used that vibrato or not when you read your head. But he would say things like that. I mean, here's the people weeping over Lazarus, right? I mean, he's been dead four days and they're crying. Oh, and he walks up and says, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Lazarus, come forth. It does say Jesus wept, but I don't think he wept because Lazarus died. I think he wept because of all the unbelief. He looked around, it's like, ah. Ah. He wasn't rattled by that. I mean, Jesus didn't walk up there and go, Lord, he's been dead four days, you know. We do something here. Prove that I'm your son here. You and I have never done anything like this up to this point. No, 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 no. Not rattled at all. Listen to me. Your heavenly father is as close to you as that conversation. Uh, You don't know how to pray? Do you know how to talk? Then you know how to pray. Just talk to him. You don't have to approach him on some religious thing with some religious voice with some weird accent. All right? You just come to God. And just talk to him. I love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what. Thank you for the life that I'm living now. Thank you that you've given me the gift of life. Thank you that the the breath that I'm breathing right now, every bit of it is a gift from you. You know, just talk to him. And when you talk to him, believe him. Believe that what you're saying to him, he's hearing you, and he's going to provide for you because he is. He is. He is a good. Good heavenly Father. All right? Let your request be made known to God, the scripture says. God knows what you have need of. Now, watch this. Let's go to Matthew 6 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 6. 
And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. Guess who were doing the vain repetitions? We saw that in 1 Kings chapter 18, didn't we? From morning till night, over and over again, over and over again, right? For they think they will be heard for their many words. Who's saying that? This is Jesus teaching us. He's saying, this isn't what God wants to hear. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And then, and, then, and then he goes on to say that the prayer that, unfortunately, we've made this into some kind of mantra, and, and we pray in this manner, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that has just become words people say because that's what Jesus said. Rather than really understanding what Jesus is actually kind of giving us an outline of to pray, not those actual words, all right? a way to pray to God. And that is our approach should always be, Father, before anything else, before you deal with any issues in your life, whether that has to do with provision, sin, whatever it is, you come to him boldly and you say, Father. Now that's revolutionary because the disciples who were Israelites said, teach us to pray. Why? They don't know how to pray? These sons of Israel don't know how to pray? They said, yeah, we've prayed, but we don't pray like you, Jesus. You pray like you actually know God. We want to pray like that. Teach us to pray like that. He said, start off like this, Father. Father. All right? He's just that prayer away from you. Just He's a very present help in, in, in time of need. So it's not about vain repetitions, over and saying the same thing over and over again. All right? It's you make your request known to God. You're not rolling the dice. You're not rubbing the rabbit's foot. This is more, way more sure than that. All right? Uh, okay, I gotta just I gotta fix one thing right quick because I know I know I know I've had this conversation many times. Yeah, but Pastor Jack, what about First John chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen? Let's let's bring that up for just a moment. Let's talk about it because you gotta know it's the will of God. Yeah, you do. You're right. Well, how do I know the will of God? How am I supposed to, how do how do I know what the will of God is? Well. Glad you asked. We're going to look right here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I'm sorry. To have... Now, this is the confidence. Now, watch this. This is the what? Confidence. That means you can pray in confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, next. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Okay, isn't that a, that's a marvelous thing. So in order to get your prayers answered, it's important that you know what the will of God is, all right? But we can't just go to this one verse alone, these two verses, and say, this is the standard. You have to know exactly what he means in context to the whole of the thing. As I said before, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 starts off Jesus saying, Answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23, for whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that whatever things he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you desire, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, let's go back here for just a moment. Go, go to 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, 
according to his will. In other words, what he's saying is anything is according to his will. Praying about anything is according to his will. That's what he taught us in Mark chapter 11. That has to be what he's teaching us here. Anything is according to his will. He just wants you talking to him. All right? So what is it about them? If it's anything, it is anything that is in faith. You have to believe it. That's the key. Lynn, where is Lynn Brown? Is he not here? He was here earlier. He just just said this simple thing earlier to me on the way out, and I thought, that is awesome. See, God has offered us grace, hasn't he? Grace comes from God. Faith comes from us. So when grace comes down to us and faith comes up, and those two things meet, that's where you realize God's part in your life. That's where the, the, the natural becomes supernatural. All right? We send up faith. He sends down grace. And when they meet, it's, it's miracle. It's miraculous, I, sh- I should say. Like, Chris, come up here for just a moment, Pastor Chris. This is God. Isn't, isn't, I'm, let, okay, let's just tell this. God is a Mexican, okay? All right, so there we go. <laughs> His son's name is Jesus. I mean, come on. All right. This is God. This is grace. This is grace. All right? Put out your hand there, God. You're giving grace. And I am, I have faith. All right? I have faith in God. But His grace is good, and my faith is good. But if they don't ever meet, if they don't ever meet, then we're not going to get what He's called us to get. When grace, though, meets faith. These two go together. For by grace are you saved through faith. You see that? By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is faith and grace is partnership between you and God. All right? And it's an unlimited partnership. It's unlimited. Thank you. You're handsome. But I want to bring up one last scripture and then we'll be done today. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. One last scripture. Can you, can you hang with me just a couple more minutes? Uh, I want you to leave here really encouraged today, and you're about 98% there, and then I'll give you two more percent of encouragement, and then you'll be on your way. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Now, what this, this chapter is about is about how we are made righteous. We're made righteous by faith in Jesus, all right? And, and Paul gives the example of, of Abraham in verse 5. I love Romans 4, 5. Can we bring up verse 5 too? I'm sorry. Let me just give this to you right quick. This is so good. Verse 5. This is just so good. This blew my mind. When I read, I was reading this one day, and all of a sudden, I, had a, I just had a, a, a V8 moment. <laughs> Romans 4, 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Now, what, notice that Paul makes a huge distinction between faith and works here, doesn't he? He makes sure to tell us, but to him who does not work, but believes. Believes on what? Believes on him who justifies the ungodly. How can he justify the ungodly? How does a just God justify ungodly people? There's only one way to do that. He can't sit as a judge and do that. 
He has to just give grace. Grace is the only way that he can do that, to justify ungodly people. While we were yet sinners, right? While we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. How did he do that? There's only one way that that can happen and him still be good and God and just and right is by grace. By giving us something we don't deserve, that we couldn't earn, we couldn't work for. But to him who does not work. In other words, he has to understand this is nothing about him. His performance or zero has zero to do with it. But believes on him. That is, believes on him whose performance God us, made us right with God. Him who died. Him who was buried. Him who rose again from the dead. We believe on Jesus. Our faith then is accounted for righteousness. So what that verse teaches us is faith without works is righteousness. Woo, I like that. Now, Brother Eric, I can't believe I heard you just say those words. James teaches us that faith without works is dead. He did teach us that. You're exactly right. One says faith without works is righteousness. That's what Paul just said. James says faith without works is dead. And both of them are, both of them are about justifying a person, how a person is made right with God. How can both of them be right? I've wrestled with this over and over and over and over again. Martin Luther, the great reformer, tore the book of James out of his Bible because he just couldn't put it together. I don't recommend you doing that. The book of James has a lot of good things in it. He just couldn't, he, he couldn't reconcile it. He said, well, they're, they're saying opposite things. They're not saying the same thing. They're saying opposite things. And I don't care how much you dance around it. That's exactly right. They are saying opposite things. So what is it then? Paul says faith that works is righteousness. James says faith that works is dead. Who's right? Both of them are right. How can they both be right? Because they're talking to different people. That's the only way that they can both be right. One's talking to Jews. One's talking to Gentiles. Maybe this will set you free today. Maybe this will set you free today. James, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. That's how his book opens up. In other words, you're not the audience he's talking to. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. See, when you understand the scriptures and the audiences with whom they are addressing, things get real clear for you. I used to read the Bible on one level, one surface. It used to excite me one day and scare the crud out of me the next day. I was thinking, I was happy I was going to heaven one day and think I was going straight to hell the next day. I mean, it was just, just like this. I didn't have any understanding. I, didn't have any, I just thought it all applied to me. Hey, we're not here to preach the whole Bible. It's not our responsibility to preach the whole Bible. It's our responsibility to preach Jesus throughout the whole Bible. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. He's the target. He's the center. So, but to him who does not walk, okay, go to 16 now, I'm sorry. Now, uh, it says, uh, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. The only way that can be according to grace is if you believe it. And, but once it is according to grace, guess what? The promise might be sure. Which promise is this? This is talking about the, right, the promise of you being made righteous through faith. But this is an axiomatic truth. In other words, you apply faith into God's grace in everything to believe for his promises. All of his promises are for you, yes. God has already given you everything that you need, everything that pertains to life and godliness, and you apprehend it, and you take it, you receive it, you possess it by faith. And once you get in faith, it brings you right into grace. Where that promise is not just a wish for hope, so who, come on, Jesus. No, it's... Sure. That's how we get the promises of God activated in our, in our lives. By staying in faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, I have to stop now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time with these wonderful people. God, thank you for your word.
Help us, Lord, to remember that when our faith is challenged, to not take it personally. Help us to not be intimidated by numbers or power. Help us to keep God's people near us. Help us, Lord, to use our authority. Help us, Lord, to make a decision, Lord. Help us, Father. Help us, Father, to remember to make a sacrifice of that which we need the most and also to pray simple prayers of faith and not complicate things. Father, you took all the complexities out of our relationship with you and all the religious gyrations men used to have to do. You took it all out when you loved us and gave us your son. And that all who believe on him will have everlasting life. He who has the Son has everlasting life. Today, if you're here, and you say, Pastor Eric, I don't know, I don't have a relationship with God like you were talking about today. All I've ever known him through was through religion, was through my denomination, was through just something I heard somebody say. But I want that real thing. I want a real relationship with him. Today, I, I, wanna, I wanna know him. And maybe, you, maybe this is the first time you've ever even really heard the good news that it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's about him. He died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. If you're here today and you want to invite God to come into your life at this moment and change you from the inside out and know that he'll be with you every step of your life and know that when you close your eyes in death on this earth, that that's not really the end. That's the beginning that you will be with him and you'll wake up in eternal in, in eternity with him. Because this earth is here, your life is here today and gone tomorrow. Scripture says it's like a fading flower, it's like withering grass. But eternity is eternity. And he invites all of you, all of us to come to him so that we can live with him forever. And he made it so easy for us. He made it so easy for us to simply come to him and believe on his son. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I want to be saved. I want that exchange life that you were talking about today. Would you just slip up a hand? I want to pray with you right here, right now. Just, just where you are right now. You don't have to get up or anything. Just, if you want to just slip up your hand, I want to just pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Lord, you've seen these who have raised their hands here this morning. So Lord, we we trust in you now. Let's just, if we could all just say this prayer together. I'm going to give you some words to say, to pray, but you put your faith in Jesus because that's what really matters. Let's just pray this together. Say, Lord, thank you that Jesus died for my sins and that you raised him from the dead. I believe that. I believe Jesus did it for me. So now I receive your free gift. Thank you that you made it that easy. Thank you that you have forgiven me of all my sins. All of them. I receive your salvation. I receive Jesus as Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours and you are mine. 
thank you for being with me every step of the way. Thank you for this new life that I now have in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Today, you prayed that prayer and you, I want to say welcome to the family of God. You are a child of the living God and right now you are eternally alive in Him. And, uh, but I also want to encourage you to get in church. I prefer this one. But get in church where they preach the Word, where they teach the Bible and, and begin to grow in your relationship with God because He loves you and there's a lot to know about Him. So uh, get in church and stay around God's people and, and uh, watch your life flourish. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.